Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we're talking about something that most of us are going to have to deal with at some point in our lives, and that's managing the elder care journey. But before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. If you are signing up for Medicare for the very first time, you already know how confusing it can be. This step-by-step guide is absolutely free. You don't even have to give your email address, and it will help you easily make the transition into Medicare. Get it free at medicarequick.com slash checklist, and best yet, I'm the founder of Medicare Quick, and I love helping people with their Medicare. Okay, back to the show. My guest today has been featured on Fox, CBS, NBC, and ABC News. She was kind of a big deal for more than 20 years when she was helping companies, groups, and individuals achieve their business objectives. But she had to give it all up to help her aging parents when they needed elder care. The journey she took helped her create a new chapter in her own life where she helped small businesses and entrepreneurs realign their own businesses while they care for their own aging parents. Now, from my experience with my Medicare clients, this is such a needed service. I have so many clients who were thrust into helping their aging parents. Some live just around the corner, but others live clear across the country. And most have their own busy lives, but they have to make time away from their own careers, their own homes, their own spouses, and their own children to care for their parents. And this can be a lot to handle. I can't wait to find out how our guest dealt with this and how she helps others deal with it too. So Please help me welcome today's guest, the founder of MyElderCareJourney.com, Ruth Ullman. Ruth, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the invitation, Kathy. Yeah, so tell me what happened with you and your parents. I was in California, like you mentioned, doing internal business consulting with large corporations. And I got a call from my sister. I knew they were getting worse. I got a call from my sister that said, mom's in the hospital. And I realized this was like the fifth call I had that year. And I was being pulled out of meetings that I was leading. And it's like, okay, I've got to do something different. This isn't working for for them. It isn't working for me. So I told, gave my boss three months notice to replace me and sold sold my home, moved back to the Midwest and started a consulting business and executive search locally for the first it took 14 years for my parents to go through their journey the first seven were not bad i was local i could they didn't need as much help and things worked pretty well i grew my business and then the seventh year hit and my mom got really sick wound up in the emergency room then on a ventilator, and she was my dad's caregiver. Oh, no. So now I had one in the hospital and one at home who couldn't care for themselves. And I, I didn't know where to turn. It's like, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I thought my dad would go first and my mom would follow sometime later. I didn't realize how bad she was. She was, I was watching her in the emergency room, one organ after another, shutting down. And I thought this is not going to end well. We'll probably end today. Fortunately, it didn't. 
but she was on a ventilator in the ICU for, I think, close to a month, maybe six weeks. Then it was mm -hmm. a series of in and out of the hospital. And what I realized later, because I wasn't in the healthcare industry that well, is she had terrible doctors. <laughs> they were really awful. They wanted, they, they discharge her the next day we were back in. It's like, I know what you're doing. And all the specialists were fighting because the primary care physician wasn't listening to them. Oh, you're kidding. So when I say she had an awful primary care physician, we changed and things got much better. But, you know, she was so happy with this man. He had been her doctor for years that she couldn't see. So we finally got to the point where we got her a different doctor. But she she lasted another year and a half or so. And then she broke her hip, went back in the ICU. Had Nine days later, we had her take her off the ventilator. Mm -hmm. And now I had my dad to deal with. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, Ruth, they say that the caregiver oftentimes goes first because of the stress of caregiving. And is that what happened with your mom? That's what happened. Yeah. So tell me about your dad. So my dad was in bad shape. So after my mother died, that was worse for him. And 10 months later, he passed away. Mm, I'm sorry. He got to pass away in his home. Oh, so that made oh. him very happy. And your so, mom, but your mom passed in a hospital, correct? She, she did. She passed in the hospital. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, you know, it's so hard when you're caregiving your, yeah. and that's what your mom was doing, right? She was yeah. caregiving for your dad and it puts a lot of stress. We don't, we don't realize. I know my, my mother, uh, my stepmother is caring for my dad who has Parkinson's and now dementia. And I keep telling her she's got to take some time away, you know, at least once a week, go get her nails yeah. done or whatever yeah. to just decompress. Yeah, that's it's extremely stressful. And I was really sick by the time my dad died. So I was struggling for the next four or five years just to get my own health back. Oh but yeah, it's th things you don't know. You don't think about your parents taking over your life and your business. And so many people, they lose their business, they lose their health, they lose most or all of their savings. And women will step away from their business, they will step away from a job. They don't even think about the financial aspects. And then when your parents die, you go back to starting over. And I thought I was the only one because you're in this isolated system where you don't really talk to people. And then I start talking to neighbors and, you know, friends and people I meet along the way. And it was one after another, mostly women that said, yeah, I, my mother died. It took just a short period of time, but was so overwhelming. I had no business to go back to, or it took 10 or 15 or 20 years. And by then I was so sick, I couldn't do anything. And it's like, wow, this is, this is, we're all recreating the wheel and no one's doing anything about it. Well, it's kind of hidden. I mean, people don't like to talk about it, they right? They don't talk about it. You know, women don't talk about this kind of thing. This is what you do for your family. And, the and sometimes it's your husband. 
It's not yes. even your parents. It's your yeah. husband. And when it's your husband, the, it's even more stressful for you. For women whose husbands, there were statistics on this, they have a, I think it's 44% higher incidence of mortality shortly after their husband dies. 44%? That's I think it was 44%. It was, it's a little bit less for men, but it's higher for women. And it's like, wow, (laughs) your thanks for taking care of your family is (laughs) you lose your you lose your business, you lose your finances, you lose, you lose your health. It's like, what more could you possibly lose? Well, I know people that have gone bankrupt trying to help yeah, other people I, out. That's true. Yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just crazy. So after your mom died, did your dad move in with you, or how did that? No, he stayed in his own home. Oh, we had, oh that's we right. Had you said care. he stayed. He yeah. yeah. So yeah, did we you? Had home care. Did we had you... home care for quite a while. But home care will do and did a wonderful job. I have no complaints. But it it gives people the false sense of security that they don't have that much to do. And that's not true at all. You're still managing finances, legal issues, insurance. You're their health care advocate. So I went to the doctor with them all the time. That doesn't include all the emergency room runs that you do. And they tend to be in the middle of the night. Right. Right. And it's like, okay. So, and I've never been in an emergency room less than four hours. So. Yeah. Better, better make sure you have, you know, a Kindle full of uh, materials to read yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's, so, it's yeah. difficult. So, so you had home care. You didn't, was your dad in dementia or was it mostly physical or what, what was it? He was diabetic. He was in a wheelchair. He had lost a leg. Um, he had dementia and some, yeah, that was getting pretty bad. We never had him diagnosed for Alzheimer's and he really didn't want to go to the doctor and talk very much. He, he used to say, they can't do anything for me anyway. Mm. <laughs> but he still recognized you at the end, right? Yes. So that's a blessing. Yeah, that was a blessing. And, and he could still go. He managed to go up and down the steps to his bedroom for quite a long time. Oh, you had he had uh, steps. Yeah. So until he, until the last few weeks of his life, when we called in hospice and had him in the family room, so we could keep a closer eye on him. Right. What are what are some of the things that you wish you would have known before you started this journey? I wish I would have known the impact that having two parents sick at the same time would have on my business. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known that I needed to take care of myself differently, that I needed to say, this is how much I can devote to caregiving. And we have to find another way for all the other things that I can't do. I wish we would have had some conversations about what they wanted in the end. I had a good idea what my mom wanted because I talked to her every day at lunchtime. But as for my dad, he didn't talk much. (laughs) So it was a big guess for me there. Now you had siblings, right? I had one sister. Okay. And did you agree on things? Was she in the area or was she? She's in the area and she is uh, an LPN. And she was really helpful in the medical end of things. But often she was at work and 
because I work from home. When you work from home, people think you're not working. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, she works from home. She can it didn't take- that I had a half a dozen people working for me. Right. That she works from home. She must be sleeping late. Right. <laughs> she must be eating bonbons. I don't know what they think I'm just doing. I think my but- sisters think I'm not doing anything because I work from home. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the perception, not only within your family, but externally as well. Right. So, oh, she's not working, you know, she can take him to the doctor. Yeah. No, not to, I mean, you have like 14 appointments that day, but yet you yeah. can drop everything and yeah. go to the doctor. And my parents live 45 minutes away. Oh, oh, so you so, didn't move in next door. Yeah, uh, that was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> But makes it harder when you have to go to the hospital, you know, when you got to go to the... But I needed a buffer. <laughs> I understand. Okay, so you and your sister both lived in the same area around your parents when you when you moved from California. And she is a medical professional, so that helped. But what about everything else? Did you agree on things since Mostly. nothing was written down? She didn't know and she's, she was very emotional. And I'm kind of, okay, let's look at what's here. Let's make a good decision and move on. And I'll deal with the emotion after that. That's how I am. <laughs> I break, yeah. I fall apart later, but yeah, I'm very that, calm. Uh, my knees are shaking. <laughs> right. <laughs> but right at that moment when the doctor says, here's, here's a situation. When, when my mom was on the ventilator the first time, he said, you know, it's dire. She may not make it. Um, what do you want to do? And I had talked to her maybe two weeks earlier. She had just turned 81, I think. And she told me, I said, well, you know, this, I told her about a friend's mother who was 82 and, you know, she, she died and, you know, she lived a good long life. And she said, I'm not ready to die. (laughs) It's like, well, okay, we got that clear. So here I am standing in front of this doctor who said, you know, well, she could die. And I said, I can tell you she doesn't want to. She's not going to die. <laughs> She's said, already so, told me. Yeah. She told me two weeks ago, <laughs> quite loudly. I said, so let's give her whatever chance she has. And if she really wants to live, she will, she will do what she needs to do. And she came out of that and pretty well for as long as she was on that ventilator. But, you know, my sister just totally backed away because she just, she was too emotional and just couldn't deal with it. Mm. Well, plus sisters probably dealing with sick people all day long and it's just stressful when it's your own parent, right? Yeah. And she knows what, what, what the worst case could be and and tended to to go there more often. (laughs) Right. This is what's going to, yes, I understand. Yeah. Okay, so so really a lot of it fell on you because of the fact that sister needed the emotional break. Mm-hmm. So then you started not direct care, but you were sort of the one that was in charge of, you know, visits to the hospital and doctors and things like that. And dealing with the home care company. Okay, and the home care company couldn't go to the doctor because they, they didn't know enough? They they could take her to the doctor, but they couldn't be a healthcare advocate. So, and often I took both of my parents to the doctor and I went in with them because I wanted to see what went on in there. So they had, their doctor was, the one doctor was aging and not very good with computers. And my parents were sitting across from him. And 
he said, how are things going? And they both said, fine. And I'm thinking, fine. It's not <laughs> fine. Yeah, fine. And then I look, I'm sitting like behind him. He's looking at the wrong chart. Oh, the doctor's not even looking at yeah. your parents' chart? Oh, no. He, he, oh, it, he was looking at my dad's chart and asking my mom questions. Oh, no. Was he writing in the chart? No, this was all electronic. So oh. I kind of pushed him. And so I said, you know, that's my dad. That's not the right chart. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So there are there are things that happen if you don't go in with them that you wouldn't believe. So they didn't ask him any questions. They barely told him anything. So I, it's like, okay, now here's what's going on with her. And here's what's going on with him. And we just let them sit there because they weren't, whatever the doctor said was fine. Hmm. So when you don't go in and talk to the doctor yourself, you get secondhand information from someone who is not really even looking out for themselves. And they're probably not even remembering anyway. And the whole confusion with the medical terms. So you really need somebody who's going to go in there, hang out with them. I used to have things written down before I went to the, to, to the doctors to say, here's what's happened over the last few months or weeks with them. And my dad would always get mad if, if I did that. So I would give it to the receptionist when we went in to give to the doctor. And I said, tell him to hide this and read it because it gets annoyed and we won't get anywhere. So I was passing a lot of notes. Hmm. <laughs> but it did make things work a little better. Okay, now you have a business helping people deal with their parents uh, and, and other loved ones sort of, uh, you know, medical elder care. What do you do in that business? Are you direct care? Are you just coaching? Like what exactly are you doing in this business? So the, there are actually two arms to the business. One is to help small businesses stay in business while they take take on caring for aging parents. And the other is helping families navigate elder care. So, so is that have, like a care manager? It is not exactly. Okay. What I found is that there is no connection be, between one phase of elder care and the other. So the financial part is a standalone. The legal stuff is a standalone. The, then you look at um, the medical section. It's, it doesn't connect to anything else. It's all on its own. But they all kind of overlap. You just don't know how. So then there's home care and um, assisted living. There is nursing home and rehab services. And they all have their own way of operating. Some overlap, some don't. And there was no one that said, here's how to think through the whole process and make decisions based on how that industry works, what they do and don't tell you, how to ask the right questions. And here's, here's some to start with. How to make that customized because it, what's important to my family may not be at all important to yours. So you're kind of like an elder care coach? You could say that. Okay. The online course really takes people through things. And then once a week, we'll, I'll have a, a, an online Q&A kind of thing. Yeah. And help people with other questions that they have. 
Okay. Well, how can they how can they find that course real quick? We'll give that a plug and then we'll talk about the other side. Okay. It's it's on my website, myeldercarejourney.com. It's under services. Okay. Awesome. So that's one section. It's like a coach membership. Okay. Yeah. So what the, the biggest course is six week long and takes you through the whole process. That is called navigating elder care. Okay. And then right. I had people say, look, I need an answer to home care. I need an answer to, I don't have time for that six week. We're already at this point. Right. I'm yes. at the breaking point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I created a course called the Focus Series, where we talk about just home care, how to make that decision, what questions to ask, what you need to know about that industry, how to do how to ask vendors how they do background checks mm. and what the best one is. Because no matter who, no, no matter who you have come in your house, if they've never been convicted. Now I have a question for you. Oh, go I'm ahead. Go off track here. The other day, one of the members of my community Facebook group, because we have a community, posted a, a video of a nanny cam where they had somebody come in to do their flooring and they told them don't go upstairs and the nanny cam caught them upstairs rifling through their drawers like their oh, underwear drawer my god yeah that's yeah like do you advocate nanny cams in your clients homes yes the other challenge with that kind of thing is when do you have time to, watch. to set all this up right yeah, yeah. when are you so going to watch all these videos well it, alerted, these well it alerted her it it her it alerted her on yeah. her phone, yeah. like it said, someone's in your room, and then she watched it. Oh, and they called the police, yeah. and they yeah. yeah, they went there, and because I guess with technology, there's all kinds of stuff you can do now. But yeah, yeah there's things that alert you on your phone when somebody's That's, not. Yeah, there's alert some, would be better. <laughs> I know. Okay, so you have that side of your business where you you do these classes. They're online classes, correct? Yeah self-paced or do they start on a certain day i'm playing with that they okay. were metered out once a week uh-huh. and some people said i'd rather just have it all so i'm um, uh, we're doing it over so you can okay uh, but they're not live is what i'm saying they're recorded yes, classes they're, okay they're recorded classes so we have the classes and then let's talk about the business aspect because i do have people that do run small businesses that listen to this show so i never really thought about the business aspect. So what is that a one-on-one consulting or how do you help the business owners stay in business and not go bankrupt? <laughs> now it is one-on-one consulting. Okay. And and at some point I will do group consulting. But the one-on-one consulting helps them become leaders of their business and not be a pivotal person that delivers some kind of service. And that's where I failed. I right, wanted it was to all get, you. Yeah. You, wanted, you, you. Yeah. I wanted to get to the point where I was the leader of that business and people were delivering services, but I was, I was a little bit too short. So now I help other people do that. And at first we start with, you know, what can you automate? It takes a while to automate, but once you've got it done, it gives you so much time. I so want then to you automate the cleaning of my house. <laughs> yeah. Can we automate that? That would give me so much time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry for interrupting. I tend to do that. If you've listened to this show, you know I interrupt people. Yeah, okay, go I, ahead. <laughs> you know, I think there are robots coming soon. Ooh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't either. And can not I, just that vacuum. Can I afford it, though? That's the question. How much is this robot going to cost? Yeah, I think that's coming down faster than technology has in the past. You know, it used to be expensive for a much longer time. I think that that is much shorter. Yeah, so and we'll I, find out. There's there's robots, too, that can help you with home care. Like, I've seen yeah, all of these yeah. things coming down the line uh-huh. that, can, yeah. that can, like, notify you if your parents didn't take their medicine. Yeah. That kind that, of thing. I mean, yeah. we're living in a crazy world. We're going to be, we're going to have that Jetson era. I know. <laughs> I hope I l- hurry up. I want to see it. <laughs> I want the personal drone, okay? Because I want to get away from traffic. So just give me my personal drone. Then we'll have to, we'll start having crashes in the air with all these drones yeah. flying around. It's going to be, you know, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're doing in your, in your, with the business owners is you're teaching them to become CEOs instead of the, the day-to-day worker. Yes. Okay. So anybody could really benefit from that, not just people who are dealing yeah. with, with their parents, but it is different because when you're dealing with your when you're already in that, you've got a whole bunch more going on than just your business. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I try to get people soon enough that they can make a difference in their business and let go so they can take this on. But that's, that that's turned out to be a much harder sell because people like I, I can't blame them. You don't see it coming. You don't know it's coming. So my message is twofold. It's coming. Please do something about it. So you don't wind up like I did. Hmm. So basically, if you have parents, <laughs> or if you're married, yeah. you, you need to get your stuff together. Or, or you know, I've been told my, someone's best friend had a heart attack, came, ba- came back to his business in shambles. You know, they, they were in an accident. They, you know, things happen in life that take you out for a while. And it's not necessarily just your parents. So yeah. Medicare, I don't do all this, but I usually refer them to a fiduciary, a home care man, you know, a home, what's it called? A care manager. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of people that can help. But again, these people cost money. They don't work for free. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you know, you want to make sure that you hire the, the right person if you are hiring. Yes. And uh, you can't do everything yourself. There's just no way. You, you really you, need to create a caregiving team. Yeah, and that's what you help them do, right? You, you help yeah. them put together that team. Cause I show them how to do that and tell them where to look and how to set that up. And as a what I noticed was I was used to managing a lot of people. I was used to managing big projects. I was used to working through all kinds of issues. That was my skill set. My sister as an LPN was used to working with one-on-one person. Right. She didn't have a team. She didn't have projects per se. So her skill set is different. And I noticed, you know, I assumed, you know, he, she was going to take care of the home care aspect of things, but she didn't know how to manage them. Hmm. So I kept getting calls from the owner and I kept thinking, what is the problem here? And so we had a good conversation about what was going on. And I took, I had to take a step back to realize that 
She couldn't manage these people because she didn't know how. Well, she was a caregiver, not a manager of caregivers, right? Yeah. And she just didn't know how. Mm. So she'd tell someone to do something. Then she'd tell somebody else to do that same thing. And then she'd do it. Uh, (laughs) Like, oh my God. So as you put your caregiving team together, know the skills. And if you think your, your siblings are skilled in a certain way, make sure you have a conversation with them about what they're good at now as adults and what they'd like to do and put them in those roles. Do you advocate like a every now and then get together with the family to discuss what's going on or is that too organized? Actually, I, I if people buy the six-week program, Navigating Elder Care, I encourage them to take it as a family. Hmm. The, the modules are very short. They can each take it on their own, have a discussion, or I prefer if they did it together. Because then those awkward, hard discussions that nobody wants to have, you're stuck with it. You're there. Right. It so makes it, it easier to get through because you, you're, you're looking at the screen. And so it is much easier. And actually, we're looking at changing that up a bit. Because when I created the program, it was more from the perspective of the adult children. Here's the decisions. Here's the conversations you should have. But there's a whole different aspect from the aging parent. You know, what kind of life do they want? These are things they need to think about, too. And while you'll pick that, while they'll pick that up in the class, it's not... I think if I gave them a little more space for themselves, that would be, that would help for an even better conversation. Interesting. Well, these episodes are evergreen. Somebody might be listening to this five years from now. So we, who knows what you're, what it'll look like at that point. We are coming up to the end of the show. So tell people once again, how they can reach you. You can reach me at www.myeldercarejourney.com. And I have a special gift for your listeners. Oh, that's right. Now, I want you to know I created a pretty link for it. So it'd be easier for people to remember. Okay. Okay, Um, good. So tell us what the gift is, and then I'll tell people what the link is. Okay, it's twofold. The first part is a download that's a checklist of the five phases of elder care and the big things you need to talk about or think about in each section. And the last is 50% off of navigating elder care course. So I assume that there's going to be a deadline on that discount because, you know, if somebody's listening to this five years from now, the discount's probably not going to happen. So yes. um, that deadline will be listed on the website? Right. Okay, great. So I've created just a pretty link so that it's easier for you to remember. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash eldercare. And that will forward you to the link. I'll give you the direct link, but it's going to be harder. It's http colon slash slash bit dot ly slash kkryr. So don't worry about having to do all of that when you type in rockyretirement.com slash eldercare. It'll take you to the exact link that Ruth has created just for the listeners of this show. So thank you, Ruth. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for coming on to the Rocky Thanks Retirement Thanks so much show. for having me. Yes. I hope it changes a few lives. I would love that. I mean, it, it's such, such a needed topic. So thanks again. And for the listener, 
We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app, and then you search for the show, and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show, and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. 
And if you tell us why you liked the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.